From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on KSO, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington on KODX, in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF, and coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the internets every day on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Well, Desi Doyen and I are on the road this week, but we will stop at nothing to bring you fresh content whenever we can on the Bradcast. I was recently interviewed by the great Terrence McNally out here at KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles for his show, Free Forum, Ideas for a World That Just Might Work. Emphasis on might. I thought you might enjoy hearing my in-depth conversation with Terrence on his show on a whole bunch of things, including threats the nation now faces to our crucial 2018 midterm elections and beyond as new, arguably worse, voting systems are coming to many jurisdictions across the country, characterized as upgrades to our current, easily manipulated, oft-failed computer voting and tabulation systems, and much more. You can find all of Terrence's many years of interviews with much smarter people than me at his website, aworldthatjustmightwork.com, he begins in this episode as the tables are turned by asking me a bit about how I got started in this work in the first place and what I was doing prior to that. Here's Terrence McNally's interview of me as recorded just this past week here in Los Angeles. Hello, I'm Terrence McNally, and welcome to another newly recorded episode of Free Forum, A World That Just Might Work. I'll be speaking today with independent investigative journalist Brad Friedman, host and producer of the Daily Bradcast, based at KPFK in L.A. and podcast at bradblog.com. The midterm elections take place on November 7th. That is less than 20 weeks from the day we record this interview. Um, which is June 24th, 2018. And for the umpteenth time, both sides will tell you that this is the most important election in years or in your lifetime, only this time it might be true. <laughs> Let's be clear. Democracy is about much more than elections, and elections are about much more than what happens when you walk into that box. Our democracy may be under threat, and the validity, accuracy, and reliability of our voting and vote counting is as well. And today we will talk about those threats and what we can do about them. Brad Friedman, a self-described independent investigative blogger, journalist, and muckraker, has broken numerous exclusive stories over the past 15 years at bradblog.com, as well as Salon, Mother Jones, Huffington Post, and the UK Guardian. 
many regarding our fragile and failing electoral system. The Daily Bradcast, based at KPFK in L.A., is nationally syndicated, and it's also available as a free podcast at bradblog.com and other podcast sites. Welcome, Brad Friedman. Terrence, great to be here, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. Strange time for looking for a world that just might work, isn't it? Well... Tough times. Believe me, um, <laughs> it, it has never seemed like it, 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 it was a sure thing. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. why it's it's might. It's, right. It's conditional. It's, yes. It's, it, it, what the the meaning of that is basically it's up to us. <laughs> more conditional now than ever. More difficult to fight uh, for than ever, and more important that we fight for it than ever. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. As I always do. Yeah. In my interviews, you know, I I have I t- do this thing where I take the full hour, so it gives listeners a chance to get to know the people. A little bit behind the ideas and the problems and the things we talk about. So tell us briefly about the path to the work you find yourself doing these days. Boy, it's I started really back in uh, 2004 uh, at bradblog.com when I saw problems that had happened on election night uh, between in the election between uh, George W. Bush, his re-election, and John Kerry. And things went terribly wrong in the state of Ohio. You know, we thought we learned a lesson from 2000. We thought 2004 things were going to be much better. There wasn't going to be a concern. And then things went south in 2004. And what was so troubling about it was the media didn't care to look at those problems. Unlike 2000, when there was a lot of focus on it. 2004, it just like, this was a normal one. And we... Uh, no, that is not the case. Well, yeah. I mean, they regard, oh, there's a few hiccups, glitches, snags, and snafus. Those are still the words they use now. And a few after, long lines, yeah, maybe. Yeah, there may be a problem. You know, the last vote was cast at something like 3 a.m. at uh, Kenyon College in, in Ohio. But other than that, just snags and snafus. Now, the fact is, back in 2004, had six votes been registered for John Kerry in each precinct, rather than for George W. Bush, John Kerry would have become the president. That's pretty close. Now, is that six, six votes, votes? Is that just in Ohio? Just in Ohio. Okay. Just in that one state alone. So to me, that seems kind of close. But in 2004, the media were like, well, you know, this is several thousand votes. This is 11,000 votes. This isn't close like what we saw in Florida, where it was just a few hundred votes. 537. Yeah, exactly. So they just moved on. They didn't care. They didn't care despite all of the Uh, I think the word is irregularities that we describe them as, right? Um, But there was one after another after another, and it revealed serious problems with our voting system itself and serious problems as far as what do you do when there is a problem, when there is a question about an election? How does the public make sure that the results are being tabulated and reported accurately. And what I found in 2004 was that there was really no way to do that and that the system was set up to prevent the public from finding out that the election, that the results were correct. Uh, Now, you know, here we are all of these years later. I could not tell you for certain who won the 2004 election. Was it George W. Bush or John Kerry? I don't know, because we were not allowed to actually look at the results. A lot of people will say, oh, that election was stolen. Uh, Other people will say everything was fine. But uh, in the media, they'll say it was fine. They won't look at it. But the fact is, we don't know. That's right. To me, that's a problem. Yes. In other words, it isn't about what side you come out on. Yeah. It's that we should be able to know what the case was. Right. I want to go, just go back a little further, Brett. 
So that you obviously had a life before that election. Yes. yes. Were you? And, and I haven't don't, had one since, by well, the way. I, I understand that. I yeah. understand that. Yeah. But I'm sort of curious what I mean, were you a history major? Were you and you know, what, I was, were, what were you doing before this began first as something that troubled you, right? Something which became an obsession, right. and then something which became a career, right? Well, I was uh, I was actually a, a software developer, and I was an actor at the same time. Actor, director, producer. I was doing a a, a regular had a, a show out here in uh, Los Angeles that uh, we would produce every week. That uh, Desi Doyen and I, who now produces my uh, radio show and so forth, and we do the Green News Report together, which is also a syndicated radio show. Um, we both worked on that. We did that for about five years. It was a new show each and every week. It was exhausting. It was sold out every week. It was a big hit. It was a lot of fun, you know, but it was exhausting. Eventually, we stopped it after about five years. And what was the nature of that show? That show was called Crime Scene. Uh, and the, it was basically three different storylines each week that continued from week to week. It was uh, satire. It was uh, a body, ridiculous, funny um, and, and both video and it and it was video. No, it was actually live theater, live theater program. And here's the here's the rub. There was a character that I would play from time to time to open the show, uh, who was a fake news guy. Uh, it's somewhat like a Stephen Colbert sort of character, his original uh, character, who's sort of a yeah. right winger who thought he was very clever, but in fact he that? was really stupid. Yeah. I played that character, and this was before Colbert. Sure. Right. So when he came out, I was sort of like, "Hey, Colbert <laughs> is stealing my act." Um, but so w the reason I mention it is because now that I'm an actual news guy, I can report to you that there is a disturbingly thin line between being a fake news guy and a real news guy. Disturbingly thin line. There really is. I'm, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing actually yeah. that at sometimes, yeah. occasionally, as you're doing your straight gig now, right, and you're reading what just happened and mm -hmm. so on, you're going, "This is more satirical yes. than anything we made up before this stuff started." Correct. Uh, it, it, sometimes it is. I mean, this is more absurd by far. The world has become far more absurd than it was back then when we were satirizing it. And I look back at, so there was a, uh, during the 2000 election, actually, I went out and did a, a field piece for this show uh, on Super Tuesday. And this was uh, John McCain versus George W. Bush that year. And I went out and interviewed people at the polling place. Um, and again, this was the fake news version of me, right? And I have looked back at that ever since. And I think, oh, how quaint. Uh, you know, because I was talking to uh, right wingers who were choosing between George W. Bush and John McCain, and uh, I was sort of driving them crazy, albeit it was already a short drive at that point. But um, it was just so quaint, such a simpler time. Yeah. And um, and looking at it now, it was almost what we are doing in reality is almost far more satirical and ridiculous than, you know, yeah, what we tried to make back in 2000 with this piece. How often do we say you couldn't make this stuff right. up? And it's kind of amusing when we look at it that way, but it's wildly disturbing, especially on a daily basis, which I have found out now that we've been, uh, now that we do the broadcast, we used to do the broadcast on a weekly basis for many years. And in 2015, we started doing it on a daily basis. 
Now the things that I thought were amusing and satirical are just constantly disturbing on a daily basis. There's a lot of people out there who are still uh, find it amusing because it's so crazy. But pay attention. This is not amusing. This is, yes, crazy, but this is not amusing. This is disturbing on a daily basis. And And I think dangerous. I mean, that's wildly dangerous. I'm going to take disturbing a little further. Wildly dangerous. dangerous. When you look at, you know, if you watch uh, CNN or MSNBC and they're, you know, chuckling about today's news and the thing that Donald Trump said and then, oh, isn't that hilarious? This is not hilarious. This is damned serious and damned dangerous. And actually, as we know, it was partly that attitude that got him all the free media that basically positioned him as a normal or a real candidate rather than a sideshow. He he, he announces on the the escalator. People like CNN say it's a sideshow, but by treating it the way they did, mm-hmm. they actually, I think, had a great deal to do with making it real. I would think, I would think, for people who hear you normally, to find out that you were doing that mm-hmm. other thing, then did they ever? Did, did they overlap? I mean, when you got no, oh. actually, I stopped doing that other show. I had been doing it for about five years, and uh, and it was called Crime Scene, by the way, uh, at our, our friends uh, Sacred Fools Theater, which is still uh, producing yeah. Uh, yeah. great stuff. Uh, no, so I, I stopped and uh, had a much-needed rest for a few months because I was just exhausted after sure. doing that for five years. Uh, but then I started to realize uh, uh, I need to do something. I was at, you know, previously I was writing madly on a daily basis, a weekly basis, and suddenly I needed to do something. And Desi Doyen, again, said at the time, well, why don't you start a blog? And I said, well, what is a blog? <laughs> Remember, this is back 2004 or so, right? One thing she said is it's a lot, right. le- it's a lot easier than a weekly show. Uh, yes, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to be doing a, a, you know, a radio show of any type. But yeah, that was just, you know, you, you like writing things, so why don't you do a blog and then you can get it out of your system on a daily basis. And that's how it started. It started as just something to write about, uh, you know, pictures of my cat, uh, you know, silly stuff. And then once we got into 2004 and we saw what happened and I realized, you know what? The media are not doing their job. This is going to be left to people like to citizens like me at the time. And luckily, blogging was uh you know, ups, upsurging at that time. Just starting, and so the yeah. people did start doing anything. Um, how did you decide or what led you to focus, if you will, on the voting system? Mm. I mean, obviously yeah. that's the first thing that you started writing about. But but how, how, how did you end up saying that, you know, broadly speaking, is yeah. your lane? It, it, it actually wasn't the first thing I started writing about. It was the first thing that people uh, – that, that some people noticed. Yeah, actually in the run-up to the election – Uh, I had a pretty big story because I noticed that the White House had scrubbed on their White House website. They had scrubbed a list of the uh, so-called coalition of the willing in the Iraq war. And they did it. They removed it from the site uh, at some point after the debate between uh, uh, Dick Cheney and John uh, Edwards. Thank you. John Edwards. That's the kind of you think about it. Was the first one doing a populist pitch? Yeah, he was. And at the time, he was very popular. To America's. Yes. And, uh, but Dick Cheney turned on John Edwards in that debate. And because uh, John Edwards said, you know, that uh, the U.S. is 
uh, making the greatest sacrifice in this Iraq war. And Dick Cheney was furious. He said, how dare you? How dare you uh, dismiss the, the sacrifices made by those in the coalition of the willing, uh, especially those in Iraq? And I thought to myself, well, I don't remember Iraq being part of the coalition of the willing the one that attacked Iraq. So I said, well, who who makes up the uh, Coalition of the Willing, according to uh, Dick Cheney at the, in the White House at the time? Because it was a moving target. So I went to the White House and I found they had a link to the Coalition of the Willing, but the page was gone. And then I started to notice all of this other stuff that the White House had just made go away. That was in violation at the time, and still is, of the Presidential Records Act That's of right. 1975. And uh, so I started to point this stuff out. They had removed, uh, you know, troubling little videos with uh, George W. Bush saying he doesn't think that much about Osama bin Laden. That had been removed from the web. So, so I started reporting that. That got a lot of attention. AP, Washington Post picked it up. They started asking the White House about these things. So that's one a, thing. One thing yeah. is you're beginning to see the power of a blog. Uh, no doubt. Of a guy just point. sitting yeah. in his room typing. But when you ask, uh, how was I drawn to these things? Essentially, it was uh, then and now me filling vacuums that need filling, you know, right. covering stories that sh aren't being covered that seems as if they should be. So that was a pretty big story. The White House uh, website scrubbing scandal, as I called it at the time. And, and now, you know daily practice in the Trump administration. Making stuff go away. Yeah. yeah. Whether, As a matter of fact, at, back... at the EPA, at the, you know, at every department. And Correct. So yeah. Back... Ch changing the definitions of the missions of departments. Uh, exactly. Back then when we, when I brought this up and then it was picked up by the media and uh, AP and, the, you know, corporate media and so forth, and they pressed the White House on it, they ended up restoring terabytes of information to the website on the week of that election back in 2004. So I take some uh, some joy in yes. knowing that I made the White House, uh, the Do George something. W. Bush White House, you know, keep themselves busy for the last week of that election in any event. And then everything went south in Ohio with many curious uh, questions to say the least. And again, it was a place that the media did not seem to be doing their job. Right. So so again, I fill vacuums, essentially. Right. So in other words, even if you look yeah. at your what you consider your mission now, yeah. it's not necessarily specifically about the voting system no. and so on. It's just that you, yeah. it's one of those gaps that you have a lot of contacts in, you have a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience in. I do now, yes, 15 years later. Uh, so I still cover that a great deal, but there's a lot of other things. I was going to say, but for yeah. someone who hasn't found your show right. and is going to find it, it's right. not all that. No. Um, in the last week, what have been some of the stories you've covered outside of the voting, oh. voter suppression, all that? Well, uh, for example, uh, in over the past week, we've been having this uh, this so-called crisis that Donald Trump created concerning uh, parent-child separation, separation at the border, right? Im immigration issue. And uh, a lot of folks have been very upset about that, seeing the pictures, justifiably so. But at the same time, in that same week, Jeff Sessions announced that the U.S. would no longer accept uh, women and children and so forth who are making asylum claims for domestic violence and uh, domestic abuse and gang violence. This changes 30 years of American uh, policy when it comes to asylum. And uh, Jeff Sessions just sort of announced that's what he was going to do. 
Well, he can't really do that. Not by himself, not in that way, not contravening all of these years of, of agreements, court orders, and everything else. And yet he's trying to do that. Now, everybody is, is sort of obsessed, again, understandably, with the with the immediate concern of children being ripped away from their parents. But this is a really big issue that uh, is going to affect you know tens of thousands of, of people who come here fleeing horrific violence. Yeah. Uh, in their home country, horrific violence in their own house. Yep. The, the, in this case, it was a woman who had been uh, uh, beaten by her husband. This is the case that Jeff Sessions decided to unilaterally overturn. She had been uh, beaten by her husband, abused sexually, emotionally, physically. Uh, she had got a restraining order against the husband, and the government told uh, her, okay, here's your restraining order. Go deliver it to your husband. This she was the to, other. Where was she from? She was from El Salvador. El Salvador. And she had to deliver it to the husband herself. And by the way, her husband's uh, brother was a police officer, so her brother-in-law. And they were all basically warning her, you are going to die. You are going to be killed. She fled to the U.S. Uh, to try to have asylum under this. Uh, and As you say, as has been the case yes, for 30 years. Right. Uh, and it's gone through various, it's been adjudicated and adjusted over time to include more domestic violence uh, victims and so forth, uh, particularly under Obama. Uh, but Jeff Sessions just came in and announced that we're not doing that anymore. Now, all the attention is going to the separation of the kids right. and, the, and the parents, understandably. But this is this other huge issue yeah. that's going to affect us for years. So, again, I was drawn to that. Right. Is, so, is so, folks, yeah. uh, the show, again, is um, broadcast. Yep. At your site, bradblog.com, not only daily, but All anytime, time. anywhere, yeah. and the archive as well. Correct. Okay. Along with, by the way, uh, the Green News Report, we do a lot of environmental coverage. Another issue that deserves attention from the world, from the media, that has not gotten the attention that it it should climate change and so forth. So we try to bring focus to those things. Again, another vacuum that needs filling, as I see it. But thank you. I mean, yes. I find that interesting, and, and I bet others do too. Well, I hope so. You're listening to Terrence McNally's interview for his show, Free Forum, with me, with his permission, of course, right here on the broadcast. More of that conversation on the failures of the Democratic Party that led to the rise of Donald Trump and much, much more after this break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the broadcast. <laughs> Five major corporations now control more than 80% of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The broadcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Desi Doyen and I are on the road this week, but we don't want to leave you completely in the lurch without fresh content. So here is more from my recent conversation with KPFK's and Progressive Voices' Terrence McNally on his show, Free Forum, A World That Just Might Work. So I'm sure that I was one of millions who, after watching the Republicans amass enormous power in the states over the last 10 years, and when the president for the second time in this century, 
with a minority of the popular vote, felt that if there were a viable alternative, we should fire the Democratic Party. You know, in other words, if they were our ad agency, mm-hmm. if they were our marketing agency, right. if they were our legal team, we would fire them and take our business elsewhere. But the way the rules are set up, that's not a viable alternative. Um, where does that realization take you? As far as the failures of the Democrats as a party? And, and how we who want the, uh, you know, who want things to change... I mean, just yeah. sort of just how do, how do you view the, the you know, the, the, as I say, the failures of the Democratic Party. My, my, my most recent uh, newly recorded interview was with David Ferris, who, mm-hmm. who ah, yes. I learned about from you. Um, his book, It's Time to Fight Dirty, that the Democrats, oh, my position is they owe it to the country mm-hmm. to play harder, yeah. tougher than they do yeah. um, because it. They're, they they get trounced uh, by the Republicans time and again. Um, so it's just sort of when, when I'm just saying, I, I know when that happened, one of my initial feelings was California should secede. I got, I got over that one. Okay. And one of the others was if there were an alternative, I'd go with it. But there isn't. So what I mean, I'm just curious how you sit with that. Uh, I, I want to say uh, there isn't, but there could be certainly. Uh, parties do spring up from time to time. Independent candidates do win from time to time or third party candidates do win from time to time. But we have to deal with the hand that we are dealt in basically in each and every election. Now, one of the things that I tried to do because I fight for election integrity and election transparency, I will go to bat for uh, for candidates and voters, uh, supporters of those candidates, which who I find abhorrent. I have gone to bat for uh, some uh, Tea Party candidates who are terrible, who I would never consider voting for, who I would even advocate voting against. However, their voters also deserve to know whether they won or lost That's an election right. legitimately. Right. Um, so when it comes to elections in that regard and election integrity, I am uh, nonpartisan or all partisan. The, the I will old, support. I support the voters. The parties have enough support, enough yeah. supporters. The voters don't have the old ACLU right. model that they they yeah. will defend free speech yes. even if they hate right. what's being said. So that is still the case. I I go to bat for voters, not for parties or anything else. That said, the stakes in this election coming up in 2018. And by the way, you said it was November 7. It's actually November 6. Is it? Yes, which means you must be one of the vote suppressors trying to trick everyone into voting the next day, Terrence McNally, the day after the election. No, in fact, it is Tuesday, November 6, unless I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. (laughs) That said, am I right on that? With that said, uh, the stakes are very clear here. And I have, you know, a lot of people who say they're furious with the Democratic Party. I understand that. I appreciate that. You know what? Until we get to November 6th, we've got various primaries around the country. Challenge the hell out of them. Thereafter, when we get to November 6th, 2018, I consider this nation to be in the middle of a national emergency. Absolutely. Period. And if you would like to put the brakes on that Donald Trump national emergency, then your job is to walk in and vote for the candidate with a D next to their name. And there's a lot of terrible candidates with D's next to their name who are likely to be on the ballot this year. 
But if you want to put the brakes on the Trump national emergency, that's how you have to vote this year, whether you like it or not. Now, that said, if you like what Donald Trump is doing and you want more of this chaos and havoc because you think this is good for the country or for whatever reason, then your job is to go in and vote for the candidate with the R by their name or stay home and don't vote at all. Those will all help Donald Trump. So. I support your effort if you want to help Donald Trump uh, by voting for the R or by staying home. I, I will fight for your right to do that. Um, but you you need to know the stakes. And I think a lot of people, I, I see a lot of uh, Democrats and a lot of progressives saying, oh, both parties are the same. To me, that is the goddamn laziest, laziest take you can have. If you look, If you look at what Donald Trump is doing and you want to tell me that both parties are the same, then guess what? You ain't paying attention. So I, you know, I just find that incredibly lazy when I hear it from progressives. So, you know, primary the hell out of the Democrats right now. Fight like hell to change the party as we move forward. But the stakes when it comes to November 6, 2018, I believe could not be clearer. Make your choice. Yeah. I mean, for, for and, and if if yeah. there is a possibility that the Democrats, that there is a wave and that they do take the Senate and the House, mm -hmm. then we can actually begin to reverse some of the damage rather than just slowing it down a bit. Yeah. Um, after so, after we find out that's right. if they've that's taken right. one or more of those houses. Yeah, that's right. So midterm elections, November 6th, what are the things what? Here's the way I want to ask this question. Yeah. There are threats to this election. Um, and I can just throw out, you know, whether it's Russian interference, voter suppression through voter ID cards, um, uh, bad counting, uh, you know, inability to recount, all of those sorts of things. What do you think are the threats that have the that have the may have the greatest impact? And then which ones do we have some power to do something about? So this would sort of create a, a, a target middle where it's like, if you want to make a difference, you know, here's where to focus. So the threats first. Un unfortunately, the threats that we face in 2018 are the same threats that we have faced since 2004. Uh, and the difference is they are getting worse. Uh, and when you mention the, the threats from uh, from Russian interference, uh, the, what is being exploited there allegedly by Russia is precisely the same vulnerabilities that I have been warning about, have had my hair on fire about, as you know, since 2004. They have not gone away. But it is not just Russia who is a threat. It's not just China who ran Saudi Arabia. It is Great Britain. It is France. It is a guy sitting uh, on his couch in Toledo, Ohio. It is the insiders who run our elections. All of them can flip an election, the results of an election, any election, in about 30 seconds time with almost no possibility that they will ever get caught. Period. And to deal with that problem, election officials around the country are making problems worse, not better. They're changing their systems. They're saying these will be uh, better able to guard, uh, safeguard against uh, outside attack. They're not telling you the truth. 
In fact, these systems are becoming harder to oversee rather than easier. Okay, so yes. what you're saying is, uh, yes, Russian interference, but the the vulnerability that makes interference uh, possible yeah. uh, doesn't matter where it's coming from. It doesn't, it doesn't require a state actor. That's right. I'm as worried about you, McNally, going in there, because <laughs> uh, we already saw what you did with the dates. <laughs> So going in there and 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 uh, flipping a, a, an election, you can do it. It doesn't require a state actor like Russia. A single now, person can do this. One of the defenses, and it's ridiculous yeah. that anyone defends that vulnerability, but one of them is, but it's a national election and elections are done by precinct, by county, by state. So uh, you get where I'm going. They, yeah. say, they say no one could really uh, do all of that. What do you say to that? That is a complete and utter lie, a total lie. And you can look at 2016. Uh, look, what happened in 2016 uh, had, th in, had three votes. Remember, I talked about 20, 2004 that had six votes gone for John Kerry instead of George W. Bush. John Kerry would have been the, the president. It was even closer in 2016. Had three votes gone for Hillary Clinton instead of Donald Trump in the three states, essentially, that made the three, difference. Three votes per precinct. Three votes per precinct. In Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, Michigan and, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania. Right. Okay. Gone for uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, in, been I should say, been recorded for Hillary Clinton rather than for Donald Trump. She would be the president now. It was an incredibly close race. It was obviously a shocking twist ending for some, for many. I had been warning uh, in the lead up to the election how fragile our systems were and how yeah. uh, Donald Trump could very well win when everyone else was saying, ah, I'll never win. Um, and yet... The Democrats never asked for a, uh, a hand count, a recount of the election in those states. That was left up to Jill Stein of the Green Party. She eventually did it. And guess what? In all three of those states, and in at least two out of the three of them, you have hand-marked paper ballots across the state that could have been counted by human beings. But in all three of those states, uh, Republicans went to court to stop her from being able to count the election, from stopping the public from being able to count the results of the election. And they won those those uh, those fights. The Republicans Who? did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they stopped stop the in none of the three states. Were and, we able to hand and count the all the premise for stopping was that she didn't have standing. Uh, it varied from state to state. In Michigan, she didn't have standing. In Wisconsin, oh, we'll let her count it, but we'll leave it up to the counties to decide whether they want to do a hand count or run the hand-marked paper ballots through the same computers that tallied them correctly or incorrectly in the first place. Who knows? They just ran them through the same machines again, so who knows? Uh, in Pennsylvania... There's almost nothing to count because they use 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems across most of the state. And then they refuse to examine those systems forensically to determine if there was any hacking. And it wasn't just in the post-election uh, contests by people like Jill Stein. In the months since then, we have now learned that the Department of Homeland Security... Uh, and the entire intelligence community, which tells us how uh, Russia was trying to attack our election, this and that. OK, if they were, have you bothered to actually look at the machines and find out if they were successful in doing so? They admitted they have never done so. They have never examined the voting systems, the voting machines to see if there was uh, hacking from uh, manipulation from outside. They have never counted the actual ballots 
you know, by hand to make sure that the computers tabulated them correctly. See, I, I didn't know that. I know. And, and, <laughs> Most well, people don't. That's right. Most it, people it's, don't. It's the gaps you're talking about. Not just about. you, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, in other words, what I've heard is, yes, there was evidence that the Russians actually got into a number. And, and this is just the Russians, remember. This right. Isn't the, the, right. That's, that's leaving out everyone else. But the, yes. there was evidence the Russians had actually gotten into a number of state systems. But they didn't find evidence that they'd done anything. They didn't find evidence because they, they didn't, didn't look, look for it. evidence. They looked at the voter register. When you talk about the the systems that they claimed that they did get in, though yeah. they said those were all voter registration systems. They did not look at the actual tabulators. Uh, Jeanette Manfra, the deputy uh, director to the Department of Homeland Security, testified to the U.S. Senate in July of 2017 that no, we never looked at those machines. We didn't. We have no idea whether they were hacked, whether they were uh, flipped, whether there was an error that uh, changed the results. You would think in the most important election in the history of the universe, with the greatest surprise ending ever, as close as it was, someone would check to make sure the results are actually correct. Nobody ever has. Okay, let me tell you, folks, this is free form, a world that just might work. I'm Terrence McNally. I'm speaking with investigative blogger Brad Friedman, and he's also the host and producer of the nationally syndicated Daily Bradcast, based at KPFK in L.A., uh, plays daily on Progressive Voices Network on TuneIn, and podcast at bradblog, one word, bradblog.com. What you say, by the way, so I asked if they say that the defense, if you will, is that, that there's all these isolated machines, isolated counts and everything, and so doing a national election would be tough. One thing I want to point out is that defense doesn't even apply in a midterm. Right. Because that really only applies to in, presidential. You, yeah. Right. Yes. And it doesn't even apply there. I mean, because if you look what happened in Florida, if you look in 2000, in Ohio, in 2004, you know, all you need to do is flip one county, flip Cuyahoga County in Ohio in 2004. You have stolen the presidential race. That's right. In other words, if you are doing a good job of your pre-election intelligence, yeah. you can pick out yeah. which eight counties in the country sure. could probably swing a national election. We knew it was going to be Ohio in 2004. We knew it was going to be Florida in 2000. So that's all you got to do is work on one yeah. county. So yeah, very good, yeah. very good. And then, as we say, when it's about Congress yeah. right now, yeah. then it it becomes even easier, right? Because a congressional district just isn't sure. that big, right? Okay. And if so, you and if you have questions about the results in one of those uh, elections, they know we have demonstrated. That if you have a question, if you want to do a hand count, if you want to find out who really won, you are probably going to be stopped by parties, by statutes. It, it, it will be almost impossible to oversee the actual results. Um, when was the last time there was a recount you liked? Uh, well, there have not been a lot of them ever that I have liked. But the best one, uh, the best example was uh, 2008 statewide uh, recount of the Al Franken Senator Coleman race back in 2008. It was fantastic. It was very well done. It was 100% hand-marked paper ballots, and they counted every single one of them by hand publicly in this uh, post-election hand count. It was very well done. Uh, it put a lie to this notion that, oh, we have to have computer-printed ballots because nobody can read the crazy hand-marks on the ballots. 
complete nonsense out of some uh, three million votes, three million ballots cast in that election. There was uh, less than a dozen that could not be unanimously agreed upon wow. by the entire uh, set of uh, board of recount judges, five, you know, multi-partisan And, and this took about judges. six weeks, right? Uh, well, it ended up going on for several months because Coleman kept going to court uh, to, to make various claims. So they tried to slow walk it. They were trying to keep the Democrats from getting a supermajority as long as they possibly could, and they successfully uh, yeah. did that. Yeah, those delays. But uh, this was incredibly close. This was about, I, I think, 300-something votes out of 3 million cast. And they were able to read every one of those hand-marked paper ballots. So when you hear now, as we are, that... We have to get rid of these hand-marked paper ballot systems and move to computer-printed ballots. This Don't qu- buy it. Question I've yeah. been asking since 2000, which yeah. is if if I don't own a computer voting machine company, right? what is the big motivation um, to keep saying that and right. keep acting as if that were true when, in fact, Canada, right. the population— a uh, big country population about the same as California. Mm-hmm. Um, they use, they do hand counts, right, right. Of, yeah. of paper ballots. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, what do you think drives that? Well, uh, the, the the least nefarious explanation is that uh, up in Canada, the, the, the elections are simpler. Uh, they vote just for maybe uh, for one single uh, party on the ballot it's rather a parliamentary than, system. yeah. So we do have longer and more complicated ballots and issues, particularly here in California. So it does make election officials' lives easier uh, to have everything automated, everything done by computer, uh, vote on a, a voting machine. And it's, you know, we, we have the numbers. We don't actually have to count anything. The problem is the public cannot know That's right. if those results are accurate. Um at least if you have a hand-marked paper ballot, as we saw in Minnesota in 2008, that Senate recount, we can go back and we can look at the results and find out if they're accurate, presuming the chain of custody for those ballots has been preserved and so forth. But presuming all of that, we can go back and count. And so a lot of people say, well, as long as we have hand-marked paper ballots, we can go back and count if there's any question. And I would say, no, you can't, because I have some big questions about who won the 2016 election, as did Jill Stein, as did many uh, Democrats. They were not allowed to look to find out who won. Now, so let me yeah. ask you. So, yeah. so uh, one change would be that yeah. we've already would be uh, that if we had paper ballots and we counted paper ballots, hand marked, hand marked paper, paper ballots, and there's a huge difference. Explain that one. Well. If it's hand-marked, and again, if the chain of custody is preserved, is secure, and so forth, if it's hand-marked, we can uh, fairly reasonably know that this vote, this ballot, reflects voter intent. If it is a computer-printed ballot, which is what a lot of jurisdictions are moving to, including here in uh, Los Angeles, largest voting jurisdiction in the country, larger than some 32 states, just L.A. County alone, we are moving to a 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting system before the next presidential election that will print out uh, a a computer-printed version of your vote. Some of it will be human-readable, so in theory, you can verify uh, what's on that piece of paper. 
But after the election, we won't know if anybody verified any of those human-readable selections. Do you understand what I mean by human-readable? As printed out yeah, by the yeah, computer. Yeah, yeah. We won't know if those actually reflect uh, the will of the voter because we won't know if anybody actually checked them, A. And B, we won't even get that far because guess what? The computers won't be tallying that human-readable selection that you may have verified or maybe not. They will be reading a barcode that is printed onto that ballot that contains your votes in theory that you can that no human being can possibly verify. That is what will be used for the tally. Okay, so we're talking about the whole country, but <laughs> let's focus for a moment on LA. Yes. Why? Why what what's the justification for that after all of this Huzzerai over the last right. 16 years right. or 17 <clears throat> years now 18 years um again going to Efficiency? the most uh, mo- yeah going to the most to the least nefarious uh it's efficient it's uh, easier it's quicker we'll get results quicker uh some people will claim it is more secure they are lying or they're misinformed but it, it, they'll claim well, it's more secure and it will allow us to do other things that our current system does not for oh. example we can have a lot more candidates on the ballot. Right now, we have a very, it's, it's sort of a limited, uh, with the computers, why everything is unlimited. Beyond that, instant runoff voting, ranked choice voting, which is something a lot of progressives would love to see. Well, the good news is we will have voting systems that uh, will allow for this wildly complicated scheme for electing people that will make it harder to know who actually did win or lose any election. But hey, we got ranked choice voting now because our computers can handle it. I got it. So that, okay. Oh, and one more I got to toss in. Um, Well, Democrats tend to like it because this is going to move us closer to online voting, internet voting, which cannot be secured. But Democrats think this will, in, in California in any event, this is going to work out great for us because California is a Democratic state. So if we make it easier to vote, we Democrats get more votes. Well, I mean, the Democrats basically usually want it to be easier to vote. Uh, I, I think yes. It, it's, yeah, no, it's yes, the, they do. The, but the, it, the demographics, I mean, California yeah. leads, you know, is the vanguard. But the demographics but you have... of, of young and more uh, diverse populations, the Democrats are probably right about that. But what you're saying is just wanting more people to be able to vote. If it's inaccurate, I mean, what you're doing is you're making it easier for someone to sit at home and vote, mm-hmm. but you're making it harder to ever know Correct. what that vote was and whether and, and whether it can be counted. And, and these are remember, these are the you know, the Democrats have been warning us for the past uh, year or two now about how vulnerable our voting systems are to to hacking and everything else. And yet. They want to move to a system that is more vulnerable to hacking and everything else. And as people in Los Angeles know, but others do not, in our primary Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, there were 118,000 voters who did not show up on the rolls because of a computer glitch. Right. The the printed, and these were actually paper, uh, the printed voter rolls, they didn't show up. We still do not know why. The registrar recorder of voters, Dean Logan, will not answer my questions by email on any of this. We have no idea why 118,000 votes. They say that they cannot rule out hacking. The database could have been hacked. Who knows? Let's add more computers. And by the way, throughout the entire primary process so far in 2018, we have seen in state after state where they are moving to electronic computer poll books 
at the uh, polling place, we have seen those failing as well, which means that voters cannot vote on Election Day. This is one of the greatest concerns that I have for November 6th mm. of 2018. Mm -hmm. is, it is how often have you gone to a website and said, I, I, you know, a website you use all the time. I'm yep. talking about big commercial websites, yep. and it's currently down. Right. American Airlines right. just had a lot, thousands of sure. flights canceled because their computers right. were down. Um, it's it's. But don't worry, because the the very nice man or lady who runs the county election board, she'll be able to protect from all of this uh, manipulation, failure, power outage, what could possibly go wrong? Terrence? Well, no, again, as, as we pointed out, if you can pick, you know, one important, yep. one critical county yeah. here, one critical county there, yep. and have their system fail for a few hours, yep. um, and, and thus people not be able to vote at all, yep. you can probably uh, swing the election. Yep. All right, you're listening to the broadcast, but we are playing a recent interview I did with broadcaster Terrence McNally of Free Forum from his show. As Desi and I stand down for a bit over the holiday, a quick break, and we'll be back with the last part of that interview discussing new 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems coming here to my home jurisdiction of Los Angeles and, yes, to a voting jurisdiction near you. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. And now, as Desi and I are standing down for a few days, the last part of my interview on Terrence McNally's free forum program heard on weekends on the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn as we discuss new touchscreen barcoded paper ballot systems that are now headed to a polling place near you if they haven't arrived already and what you can do to help try and make your voice and your vote actually count this November. Um. What can people do at this point about 2018? Number one, of course, make sure you are registered to vote. Uh, if you're not registered you to vote... when you say make sure, how do you make well, sure? And I've, my guess is that it's a little different in different places, but generally... No, you're, you're absolutely right. Well, first, uh, it's just in a general sense, if you have never voted before or if you have moved or anything else, register to vote, A. 
B, if you feel you are already registered to vote because you voted in 2016 or you voted in 2012, go to your county website, your secretary of state's website, and confirm the fact that you are still registered to vote and registered to vote in the place in the at the address that you think you are registered to vote. A lot of people have been disappearing from the rolls mysteriously and otherwise. Uh, so don't count on the fact that, uh, oh, I voted in 2012 for Obama, so I'm sure I'll be there again this year. You'll yeah, say because, to yourself, yeah. there's no, of course I'm still on the rolls. I've done nothing. Right. Yeah. I haven't moved. I'm still right. here. Right? right. Check. Make sure that you are. And you can do that several times. And you can make sure your neighbors do that and your friends do that and, and your, your family. as Exactly. And your kids. Yes. Uh, so that's one thing you can and must do between now and uh, Election Day. Uh, the other thing you can and should do is fight like hell to vote on a hand-marked paper ballot. Uh, not just a paper ballot, one that's printed out by computer, but a hand-marked paper ballot. In some states, for example, uh, on Election Day, uh, most of Pennsylvania, most of Louisiana, most of South Carolina, you can't vote on a paper hand-marked paper ballot on Election Day. you got to vote on a 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting system. If you live in a state like that... Can you demand? Uh, no. Well, you oh. can try, but, but, but you won't, won't work. work. Won't work. Uh, but what you can do, uh, and it's different in each state, and these laws are changing, but, uh, for example, your only choice may be to vote uh, with an absentee paper ballot and vote by now ab, i i vote absentee mm -hmm. i usually take it to the polling place good on election day yeah right but i vote on an absentee ballot so that i can sit with it i can do it i mm -hmm. can okay um what's the state of absentee ballots it does mean that it's hand marked mm -hmm. it, it's got that going for it yeah. it does mean it's a paper ballot yeah um do they get counted yes absolutely counted accurately i couldn't tell you because they're counted by computers and we're not allowed to check to the And then the afterwards. recount of the absentee yeah. ballot yeah. would likely be, in in many cases, would be, they just go back and look at that a computer uh, count? No, well, no, in theory, they look at the actual ballots themselves. The question is, do they look at them by hand? Like, have human beings actually count them? Or do they just run them through the same computers that tallied yes. them correctly or incorrectly in the past? We okay. don't know. Okay, but, um, so, but so absentee is one way to... That, that, so even in those states that vote on the uh, touchscreen voting, if you vote absentee, right. you got a piece of paper and you got a pen and you can actually make sure that you correct. Vote. And as you do, Terrence, you bring it in and deliver it to the uh, to the precinct. In some places, you have to bring it to the county headquarters. Yeah, and, and so for anyone your... who doesn't know that, yeah. just because you ask for an absentee ballot, you actually having asked for an absentee ballot, you have two options. One is that you can fill it out. Well, you have three. One is you fill it out and mail it to them. Right. But we recommend not doing that. Correct. Because you want to make sure that it doesn't get lost in the yeah. mail. So you fill it out at your leisure, and then that day, between, you know, eight and eight or whatever it is, you just walk in. You don't have to wait in line. You're just delivering it. And they right then let you drop it in a box. Another one is... In California. It's, it, it, oh. Check your local uh, jurisdictions okay. for how the rules work because they're a little bit different in every place. Okay. But yes, yeah, certainly in California, they make it very easy to bring your, uh, your, your ballot in and drop it off on Election Day. That is far preferred to mailing them, to dropping them or, in that or voting black by machine. box. Now, you can go and vote that day with your absentee ballot. That will assure you of right. hand-marked 
paper ballot. And if you lost, if you go into the precinct, you lost your uh, the, the vote by mail ballot, and you go in to vote, what you will be forced to do is vote on a provisional ballot. And or if your name does not show up on the rolls for whatever reason, correctly or incorrectly, you will be forced to vote on a provisional ballot. Do those get counted? Yes. Although they are more easily discarded than normal ballots. In other words, they will go through all of the provisional ballots, in theory, unless you got a bad guy in there. Right. But in theory, they go through all the provisional ballots to find out if, in fact, you are a legitimate voter or you, you know, and, and you haven't voted by mail already and so forth. Uh, and then those votes will count. There's this, since you mentioned it a couple of times, you know, a lot of people think they only count absentees or uh, provisional ballots in the closest of races to I've make the it. difference. It's wrong. Okay. It's not true. Yeah. They count those ballots. Uh, again, accurately or not, that's a separate question. Right. But uh, those ballots will so, be tallied. So beware the cretins who warn that provisional uh, ballots are not real ballots. That they or uh, that they don't get counted. That uh, they are placebo ballots. It's that just to make you feel good. Yeah. Make you feel good. That's not true. They are thrown away at a higher rate than regular ballots because they can claim, oh, the, the signature doesn't match uh, or uh, they weren't registered or whatever. But the majority of provisional ballots are counted. So don't walk away saying, well, I'm not going to vote provisionally because those are never counted. That is not true. OK. You got one more minute. All right. Um Make sure you're on the rolls. Make sure you're on the rolls. Make sure you're on the rolls. Make sure all your friends and, and relatives are on the rolls. Um, try your best to vote by hand on a paper ballot. One way to do it is absentee. One other, any last? You, your job is not done after you've done all these things, after you voted, after you got your, your ballot in there and everything else. On election night, at the precinct, at your precinct, they will print out, the little computers will print out little tapes of uh, of results you can be there you can oversee that process you can take photographs of those little tapes with your uh, with your iphone uh, because sometimes those numbers change from the time they're printed out at the precinct to the time they uh, are collated at the uh, at the county headquarters so you can be there you can be present you are responsible for overseeing your own election system oh and by the way we need people to work the polls volunteer to work the polls whether it's as a, a poll worker for your for your city or your county uh, or whether it's with your your party to be an observer uh, what goes on at the polls Voting is not enough. you got to participate before, during, and, yes, after. Okay, we're going to leave it at that. The website to uh, learn more and to find Brad's broadcast going back is bradblog.com. My thanks to the great Terrence McNally for allowing us to run his interview with me out here in Los Angeles for his show right here on the Bradcast. You can find all of Terrence's conversations with folks like Michael Lewis, Jeremy Scahill, Robert Reich, Van Jones, Connie Rice, and many more from his years of broadcasting at terrencemcnally.net or a world that just might work.com, which is the same website. You can also sign up there for his weekly newsletter and show announcements for his interviews with much more interesting folks than me. Once again, my thanks to Terrence McNally for allowing us to share the interview with you here on the broadcast today. Also, thanks to Desi Doyen, our producer. 
We will be back after a holiday break. You can download all of our shows anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email at bradcast at bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at TheBradBlog. And as ever, our thanks to those of you who helped put gas into our Prius tank, both literally and figuratively, by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Uh.